Hello, welcome to the Honest War Gamer. I'm your host, Rob. I'm recording this with the Twitch studio audience. You can see them here. They are going to be my co-hosts for the day. An anarchic group of syndicates and a coalition of all sorts of unions uh, in the chat to help me help you work out the very best endless spells in Age of Sigmar 3.3. Rob, what is 3.3? Age of Sigmar 3rd edition launched last year in the summer of 2021. We're now in the summer of 2022, and the new GHB has come out, and it's rewritten a lot of the rules for the endless spells. Now, the important... And changed some of the points. Now, the important part, and this is very important, is when they did the uh, endless spells and rewrote how endless spells worked in Age of Sigmar 3, they didn't make them as powerful as they were previously, because unlike the other edition of Age of Sigmar or the other editions of Age of Sigmar, um, Endless Spells only used to move in between battle rounds. So both players have a turn, that's a battle round, in between, there you go, they used to move in between. However, now, 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 uh, they move at the end of each hero phase, and they have since the beginning of Age of Sigmar 3, sorry, at the end of each hero phase. And they have since the beginning of Age of Sigmar 3. But the spells weren't that powerful. And only predatory endless spells moved, so that's an important point to talk about as well. However, some of these endless spells have had a big glow-up. A big glow-up, which does mean a tear show. Right? Right? Does mean a, a tear show, which is really fun. I love a tear show. So that's what we're doing today. Yeah? That's what we're doing today. We're going to look at the generic endless spells. So we're not going to do faction endless spells at the minute. We're just going to look at the generic endless spells and we're going to put them into tiers to give you some indication of what endless spells you might take and why you might take it. However, I will be uh, helping, uh, being helped by the chat, like Little Gork and o Reaper, yeah, and Roscoe. There's also a couple of other things. Okay, endless spells are cast by a wizard. Yeah, they are an endless spell and they're counted as a spell. So if you have a spell ignore, that will ignore the effect of an endless spell. Uh, no, sorry, that will affect... The casting of an endless spell but not the effects of an endless spell you need ability that says that i'm going to ignore the effect of an endless spell follow up some other little bits that people don't really ever remember at the end of each hero phase every endless spell is moved when a wizard casts an endless spell it's bound to that wizard and as long as you keep within 30 inches, so you keep the endless spell within 30 inches of the wizard that cast it, they get to control it at the end of each hero phase. If it goes beyond 30 inches, then it becomes wild, and then it moves whoever, like, it moves in alternate, so you move the first wild one, and then, depending on whoever's turn it is, and then it alternates down, if that makes sense. Some other things, how to get rid of endless spells. At the start of each hero phase, you can elect to give up one of your spells to cast, or one of your unbinds, if it's your opponent's turn, to stop endless spells. Like, so you have to roll above their casting value. So high casting value is really good, because that means your opponent can't unbind the spell. You cannot recast a spell that has been dispelled, dispelled, sorry, dispelled that turn. So... It's my, the turn before I've cast Purple Sun, just because I may, yeah? And my opponent, in his turn, unbinds it. No, sorry, like, unbinds it in my turn, or whatever, dispels it in my turn. I can't recast it. Does that make sense? There we go, right? Uh, so, that should, that should be, that should be, that's a plenty of information, right? Okay, that's plenty of information. Whew. Okay. All right. So let's go do and let's do let's go look at uh, the the thing that we need. This this is what we need. The tear maker. The tear maker. The tear maker. And I made it. And I will put a link in the show notes to the tear maker. So if you wish to make your own version, uh, then you can. So our categories are spelly good or S tier, a great take 
A tier. Be aware it exists, B tier. Can't justify it, C tier. And don't take it, D tier. Okay? Right? Uh, right, okay, we got it. Okay, let's go through the endless spells. And we'll start with the most obvious one. Um, uh, like, it's just a giant onion. Uh, question for the beautiful people in the chat. Technics can dispel an spell at the start of the hero phase. After when he chooses the number of spells he casts, for etc., can cast only three? Uh, interesting question. That is a great question, little Gork. I'm assuming that the ability is not affected by his ability to... No, no, I think that they're separate. But I'd have to go into that and have a look. Okay, so the first one we're going to start with is... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the jury, let me know what you think of it. The Purple Sun. The Purple Sun. It's down here. Okay. Let's read what the Purple Sun does. Okay. That's important. Let's have a quick look at what the Purple Sun does. Let me just go and quickly uh, grab the Purple Sun. Uh, hold on. This is my uh, electronic version of the GHB. I know what you're asking yourself. How the hell uh, did this... Uh, hold on. Purple Sun. Here we go. Purple Sun. Right, so... Purple Sun, I already know this off by heart, is cast on an 8, and you set it up within 8 inches, 8 inches of uh, of the enemy. Um, and this end spell is a predator end spell, which means it moves at the end of each hero phase, and it can be moved 8 inches. So, I have a wizard, I set it up with an 8, and it moves 8, so that's going to be 16 inches it goes. And it got the end given fawn. You subtract 1 from roll, uh, for save rolls for attacks that target units within 6 inches. So it's not wholly within 6 inches, right? Not wholly within six inches okay and that's massive because it doesn't mean melee okay so i can cast a purple sun it can move six inches any units within uh sorry it moves eight inches so we as we've discussed set it up with it uh, in eight move eight and then and then it affects units within 16 okay so that's going to be a 22 inch range 22 inch range effectively and then then minus one save which is huge because then that immediately means that I've got basically rend one. And if I've already got rend one on my shots, then that's another minus one save, right? And that's really, really, really good because basically I'm rend two. So I can have a load of really poor quality shots like crossbowmen for Cities of Sigma, uh, Reavers who've got plus one rend uh, and who have lots of shots. Even the now 140 point Bliss Bomb Archers, potentially. Um, now that's the key part, okay? Uh, so you're going to want to combo that. Of course, it also will help melee units because they'll also have additional rend. But turn one, you've got a pretty long-range threat and you can drop that in. Now, this is an important point to make. If you go first in a battle round, yeah, and you cast in the, the purple sun, so set up eight, move eight, 16 inches as we discussed. The next turn, at the end of the hero phase, if the opponent doesn't roll a nine because you have to unbind it on a nine, you can move it another eight inches which is a pretty huge range, okay? Like, that's huge. It's 24 inches, right? Yeah? In your opponent's territory. And that's what really matters to the next bit, which is, in addition, Age of Sigmar's favorite sentence, roll a dice for each unit within three inches. And that is amazing that it's each unit within three inches of this endless spell. After this endless spell's moved, on a one, oh, one model from that unit is slain. Now, into 60 skinks, you don't care because you roll one dice and one model is slain. However, into an Archeon, bosh, off it goes. Get it in the bin. A great and clean one, bosh. I know someone in the chat was saying this a moment ago and was very upset. In the bin, yeah? 
right? It's actually great the casting value was eight. I agree, right? Because so Eric Sormanen, right? It is it is a unit though on a one one model from that unit is slain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's really really outrageous. Now it's seventy points to cast his spell, and this is where now this is really really important. It's seventy points to cast his spell. Seventy points to pay to pay for the minus one save is absolutely worth it. Huge value you should absolutely put in your list. The ability, the opportunity cost to, in addition, potentially win the game one in six times is a no-brainer. It is absolutely a no-brain shot. This is the best thing you can do, right? Uh, <laughs> no man in the chat, can I refund my gift? So I apologize, right? <laughs> right. Now, the thing is, having used this for a weekend at a tournament already, is you, you move it around, it's just, it's just terrorizing your opponent. So what you're doing, you're just moving it around, dropping it on people, trying to get it to work, doesn't matter. Now, as was pointed out in the chat, the fact it's cast on an eight is really excellent, because you, if your opponent has no bonuses to dispel, or even no rerolls to dispel, then they've got to roll a nine on 2d6 to be able to take it off the board. And that's taking up one of their spells. So you're affecting their magic phase. That's cool. Yeah. And um, uh, and they're very, they're not very unlikely. Well, they're quite unlikely to make it. Now, this is where it gets really, really exciting. Really, really exciting. This is going to be very, very good for magic dom armies. So I would already put this as an S tier. I used Beast of Chaos at the weekend. I had no bonuses to cast. And I was just just hard, hard trying to roll that big eight on two dice. And I didn't care. Right? But if you're a magic dom, let's say you're Seraphon and Croak. Yeah, let's say you're Zinch, let's say you're Techless, let's say you're anyone with I mean, and everyone's got a really good wizard in their army, because you can take the generic artifact out of the core book called an Arcane Tope, and you can take the generic command trait, Master of Magic, so you can re-roll a cast. So you can turn anything into a wizard and you can re-roll a cast. So you've got some pretty interesting options there already, but some have huge bonuses to cast. Nagash, Arcan uh, Arcan, sorry. Um, you've got some real good opportunities to cast some really big spells. Cities of Sigmar, Hallowheart, or even just a Sorceress, stabbing some people for pluses to cast. So, there are some armies that are going to be able to take this out. In addition, there are going to be some armies that are really good at taking this off the board. For instance, Lords of Change can just eat an endless spell. Yeah? Some people have big bonuses to dispel, which is really good. Some people have rerolls. Some people just automatically take them off the board. Right? Uh, right? Uh, Crondis stunks. Yeah, everyone's a, go a god. <laughs> everyone's a wizard. Uh, Age of something in the chat. One of my favorite YouTubers has pointed out. Yes, that some are much better, and we will do. We will do next week the the uh, the wizard tier list, right? But today, purple sun. So I've explained everything. I've explained how it works. So the fact that some armies are going to be able to put it out does make it a little bit more situational. Does make it a little bit more situational, but. It's the best spell in the game. Like you should just put it in your list, pretty much. As long as you've got a wizard, it should go into your army, right? Uh, uh, like so. Uh, also, the Cronspine Incarnate has to roll a nine, or he loses a level. So we're talking about endless spells. This is actually probably something worth talking about as well. The Cronspine Incarnate is a uh, not an endless spell, and not also like it's a unit that you can take for any age of sigmar army it was released in a like 130 pound fomo box set there are etsy prints available which look exactly the same which were designed and released before games workshops one making me feel like games workshop were hashtag inspired by 
uh, the 3D prints um, uh, from Etsy. Uh, thanks, Greg, for resubscribing, you babe. Um, uh, baby. Uh, <laughs> so um, my point is uh, those are able to eat endless spells. But again, like a wizard, they have to roll above the casting value and it's cast on an eight. Okay. Looking forward to shooting this grape through Wildwood at the enemy front lines. Now, a couple of other little points before we move on to the next endless spell. You don't have to paint your purple sun purple. Don't let your memes be dreams. Paint it whatever color you want. Paint it to fit into your army. Um, it's a terrible model to build. Um, and you can just use any old ball with some spikes on it, which would be work. Um, it has little to no opportunity cost, which is my gripes as a Reaper. The stupid boat at least makes take a mortal. This should take make, take, make you take like D6 mortal wounds. This is amazing. Tournaments will be won and lost due to the purple sun. Okay? It's absolutely bonkers. Probably shouldn't be in a game that tries to take itself seriously. But thankfully, Age of Sigmar does not try to take itself seriously. As all of Games Workshop products are. They are, at best, minimal viable products released um, in as quick an order as possible. Uh, and so, therefore... Um, this is fits in very much with the narrative of how they produce their game system. So, Purple Sun, big S. Love that. You're going to have some amazing fun. You're going to have some amazing fun. You're going to move it forward, and you're going to murder some stuff. Everyone takes it. Uh, also, Eric Sorbonne, good point. You create some trouble in your opponent's deployment. If they know that you can want, if you could do a teleport and drop this bad boy in, you're just going to get ripped apart, okay? Right? Like, and it's going to be so fun. Uh... Um, okay, uh, there's a print company that does all the endless spells for like seven pounds. Is there? Oh, the bases. Oh, the bases. Okay, lovely. That's nice. Thank you very much. Okay, so purple sun S tier. Get it in your army. Get it painted up. Next up, ooh, what should we do, chat? What should we talk about? Um, I think I think maybe we'll just do portal. We'll just get that conversation done now because it's uh it's a good one. Right, let's do portal quickly because then we can explain everything else. Because there's been some, there's been some uh, poor thoughts about portal. I think, right? So we'll do portal so people can kind of understand what the hell's happening with portal. Uh, so the Umbral spell portal has been a consistent spell. So I'm assuming some new people might listen to this show. So the Umbral spell portal has been an incredibly consistent and a spell in Age of Sigmar since its launch effectively because it does something that really shouldn't exist in the game uh hello chat uh, we'll do we'll do cogs after i promise um uh Tarkonex, sorry i will do that later uh umbral spell portal um has been so common because it expand extends the spell range of spells that you cast so effectively imagine it you you attach it to a wizard you don't actually attach it you put it near a wizard and then you can cast a spell through it extending the spell ranges of some incredibly prodigious spells by way more than they needed to be. And therefore, it's always been very, very expensive. I think it's 70 points at the moment. Um, and it's there's two pieces to the other spell. You've seen this it's in so many different lists. It's not really worth talking about. But I guess you see it in loads. You used to see it in the Technado a lot of the time. You see it in Seraphon armies coming from Croak or Slan. Um, you saw it, it, obviously, you saw it wherever Kairos was nearby. So you could do Gift of Change through it, which is pretty obnoxious. Um, uh, uh, no, Ziggy, it's fine. Um, so yeah, you've got loads of opportunity uh, to to do the endless spell, right? Which is uh, to do sorry to do spells through it, um, and it's become it's incredibly common. Maybe we'll be seeing more now because of some effects. So let's talk about it a little bit, right? 
Uh, banging the purple sun over with plus six range from Ashley's Barrow, so you can uh, do a surf on gun line, has plus one rend, uh, all the fun. Says Greg, I agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks to Big Goldfish for resubscribing and A Sailor Twift. Um, hype to get your opinion on the swords. Okay, no problem. Um, uh, right, okay, so it's two parts, yeah? Um, th and it's cast on a five, so it's very easy to cast, and because of that, is easy to unbind okay it's successfully cast set up the two parts and it's set up within 18 inches so you have to set up both parts within 18 inches of the caster okay and you're going to want to set one up next to the caster right so the first one is arcane passage once per turn if a wizard successfully casts a spell within one inch of this end of spell right the visible the range visibility and effect of that spell can be measured from one part of the end of spell instead of the caster spells that summon and the spells do not benefit from this effect so okay i want to do a mystic shield which is a range of wholly within 12 inches okay i'm within one inch of the end of spell uh, of one spell portal i cast it through the spell portal and it does a range okay right it does a range of wholly within 12 inches um, from the other spell portal. If I've got a spell that's 18-inch range, pick a model and it takes D6 mortal wounds, let's say, right? I, may, I cast it within one inch of one spell portal, goes through, hits the other one with 18 inches from the other one. So effectively, can be 36 inches. And in fact, you include the base size, so you actually ha add a little bit more to that base. Uh, oh, do you? Wholly within 18. 18, 18. It has to be 36. Or maybe it's always 36. Not sure. Um, uh, right, this is an A. Okay, so uh, I've got an arcane passage. Me too, baby. Right now, the other bit is in addition, once per turn, if a predatory ender spell starts a move within six inches of this ender spell, instead of making a move with it, the commanding player can remove the predatory ender spell from the battlefield and set it up anywhere within six inches of the other part of the ender spell. An endless spell set up in this manner does not count as having moved. And that's going to be really important when talking about spell effects. Because, for instance, Purple Sun, when it is set up, when in order to activate its ability to roll a one, the spell has to be moved. Okay, so when it's set up, it doesn't count as moved, right? And some of those, some of the predatory endless spells, and it's only predatory endless spells that can go through it, um, need to account of having been moved. For example, um, the Burning Head. After this end of spell has moved, if any units are within three inches. So if you cast, uh, if you try to put a, uh, so the way you would work it is, you would set up a purple, uh, no, sorry, purple song, an umbral spell pool. Then you would cast another end of spell within six inches of it. And then, uh, like, so that means it starts its move with wholly within six inches. So then you put it through the portal and you set it on the other side, but it hasn't counted as moved. So it won't affect. But it will, it will matter for the minus one. Um, the minus one save aura from, let's say, a purple sun. Okay, so this is incredible uh, as a spell. Incredible. Uh, uh, should we discuss when we roll for spell ignores depending on the spell? Uh, yeah, like it, you, you need to you need to read whatever the spell ignore is uh, to determine it. Uh, enemy can pass spells through your portal, though, right? So you got to watch they don't purple sun you back. You do, but. Purple Sun is a good example. Let's say I have the first turn and I cast uh, Umbral Spell Portal and I do a Purple Sun. It moves through and they are a minus one to hit Aura. However, in their next turn, they must unbind the Purple Sun or it is going to move eight inches and get out and get you, basically. Oh, wait, is, do they always just teleport through? Can you never get out? 
Hold on. Am I just working that out? Initial once per team, if Petrogen the spell starts a move within six inches of the sun spell, instead of making a move with it, the opponent... Oh, okay. You don't have to. Okay, so it's not auto. You have to. So what you can do is just basically turn one, portal, sun, drop it through, move it another eight inches into their army at the end of their hero phase, ping a load of stuff, which is really fun. Um, so love that. All right, chat, what do you think? Um, I personally think the the spell portal is a great take, um, and even like maybe even I think actually it's an S tier take in the right armies, like it's an S tier take in the right armies. When you have a spell that's so powerful, like Hand of Dust from Nagash, Gift of Change from Kairos, it's so so powerful, like um, that it does incredible work, right? Uh, uh, so actually random question if you have a spell ignore that triggers on effect if you're being hit by like solar eclipse do you still ignore actually if you have a spell ignore that triggers on the effect if you're being hit by solar eclipse do you still roll the ignore um, I guess so if a unit is being affected by it yeah like but it's normally the spell spell ignores are if this unit is targeted by um, I would say S tier based on game impact yeah, right? Pretty much a requirement for Victory Spray and Gift of Change, says Angle. I agree. So actually, entire army builds that have done incredibly well in Age of Sigmar, uh, Zinch when they're in dom dominance, Legion of the First Prince when they're in their dominance, required the spell portal to be in their army. So I think S-tier sounds, right, uh, sounds about right, I'm going to say. So that also is going to affect any of the other predatory under spells that we talk about because they might potentially be able to go through the spell portal. Um, but I don't think that's its main use at the moment and it's very expensive a seven okay all right next up chronomantic cogs because everyone wanted to talk about it okay let's do it whoo ladies and gentlemen um so so uh swaggy shadow saw in the chat says i would say a tier because uh not every army will need it only two to three armies i guess that's true i guess that's true purple sun purple sun is every army can benefit from having Purple Sun, literally every army. Uh, however, Portal has an in amazing in-game effect for some armies. So I guess A is has an amazing effect for some armies, but isn't really beneficial to some others, right? Uh, see that, Jog? Um, so it's an it's an A to S. In the right army, it's amazing. And in some armies, it's, it's next to useless, right? Corn, Iron Jaws, etc. Okay. Um, all right, we'll do Chronomantic Cog next. And I guess probably the same things will apply. Chronomantic Cogs. So here we go. And we'll talk about this a little bit, shall we? Uh, so let's go find the Chronomantic Cogs, baby. Baby. Uh, okay, so this, this thing has had a glow up. A big glow up. Chronomantic Cogs. Um, and now it's cast on a six, and it's got a range of six inches. Okay, so you set it within six inches. Fine. And then you've got the mechanisms of time. Now, this endless spell does not move. Where you cast it, you plant it. The six, easier than average cast. Roll of a 2d6, the average is seven. Um, uh, when you set up this endless spell, you must decide if it's increasing or decreasing the flow of time. If you're decreasing it, um, uh, sorry, if you're increasing it, then you can reroll charge for units when they're wholly within 12 inches of this endless spell, which is kind of okay for some armies. Like if you move forward, let's say with a Nighthorn army, and then you're in the phase where you want that plus one to, uh, sorry, you want the reroll charges, you drop it down next turn, 
and then you get those reroll charges. Quite nice, I guess, uh, for that situation. Some armies really want those reroll charges because they rely so heavily. Nighthaunts specifically rely on those charges because every time they charge, they debuff the, the enemy units, right? Um, uh, however, if you slow down time, all friendly wizards that are wholly within 12 inches of this end of spell can re-roll their casts. Um, it, it, yeah, re-roll their casting rolls, which is if the decreasing flow of time, players can re-roll casting rolls for friendly wizards that are wholly within 12 inches. Wholly within 12 inches of a single point on the board is massive, right? It's 24 inch width. Um, like it's a huge area and really, really is going to benefit certain armies. Zinch, Seraphon, uh, I mean, it'll benefit all armies because we roll cast. Now, this is the important point. It's also 40 points. So it'll, re it'll, like, it'll benefit every single army. It's 40 points. Um, but some armies will get super juiced on it. Zinch, Seraphon, uh, in particular, Lumineth, Realm Lords. They'll become, like, very juiced, right? So this is great for everyone. And super juiced for some armies. I might even think it's an S, you know. Because you're right. It doesn't, like, it's not going to help an Iron Jaws army out particularly. But for 40 points, maybe it will. Maybe that uh, that teleport, that Hand of Gork that a lot of Iron Jaws armies have relied on or they like to use. Yeah. This is actually pretty big. Right? Um, Croak with this ruined me yesterday, says Nevinger. It was impossible to cast anything. Yeah, of course. Of course, Croak's like Croak's gonna have like a plus three re-rollable, right? Um, uh, Iron Jaws will love the charge. That's a good point, Shugo. Uh, yeah, like I personally, I think this is A. No, I think this is S. Sorry, at forty points, every army can benefit from this. At forty points, I think that that's like, I think it's S. I've got to say it. Like. Talking about, it's like, hey, some some armies can't really use it, but it's 40 points. Every army can use it if you've got a wizard. Like, maybe KO. But you can always make an Admiral of Wizards for some reason, right? Um, from the charge bonus. Yeah, okay. So, are we comfortable with S? The chat seemed to agree with me. Um, uh, I think, okay. All right. So, very, very good. If you're playing certain armies, this is dumb. This is so dumb. If you're playing every other army, it just makes your wizards better, right? So, uh, is it only reroll casts? It's only it's reroll casts. That's it, right? Uh, okay, right. Okay, we got it. I uh, definitely S. I think better than Purple Sun, in my opinion. Interesting, says Swaggy. I kind of agree with that. I kind of agree with that in some ways. Okay, so that's that's Chronomantic Cogs. Loving that. Loving that. Next up. Okay, we're doing some big ones. We've done some big ones so far. Let's do the other big one because I don't know how... It, there's two other big ones at the minute. There's the meme and the not meme. Let's talk about the meme first. Lack one, the soul seeker. The bringy dingy, the toty boaty, uh, <laughs> the skeleton in the boat. Okay, lack one, the soul seeker. Okay, so <laughs> the bringy dingy is also, of course, the other name for the bringy dingy. Let's talk about Lacquan, shall we? Um, okay, so Lacquan the Soul Seeker, right? So it has a casting value of six, and you set up within six inches. If successfully cast, you set up um, within six inches of the caster, right? Now, the next bit's important. It's a predatory endless spell, which means it moves at the end of each hero phase. That's important. 
each hero phase, the bone boat is good, right? Um, and it can fly, so it can fly over units. I think most of them fly, actually. Right, so soul price. Before the commanding player moves this end of spell, you pick one friendly wizard within, wholly within three inches of this end of spell. Now, this is pretty important, right? Pretty important, because there's some really important things you need to know about a couple of these bits. Number one, it doesn't have to be the caster who moves, which is great, okay? So you can put someone inside the boat, right? And then you can move them away. However, you move at the end of the spell phase, a lot of people, uh, sorry, the hero phase, which is the spell phase, right? Which means you wouldn't be able to move this and then cast a spell, right? Because it's the end of the phase, okay? Because um, it's a predatory and a spell. Uh, 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 it's okay, but not that much useful to go through it, and I agree with age something. Um, right, so much better than the purple sun, it shouldn't be in the same tier as Tarkonex. I, I, interesting. I don't know, I don't know if that's the case, but we'll find out, right? Um, now you remove that wizard from the battlefield, and after this end of spell has moved, set the wizard up again, wholly within three inches of, uh, wholly within three inches of the end of spell, and more than nine inches away from enemy units. So you still have to be nine inches away. Right After that wizard has been set up, it suffers a mortal wound. So it takes a mortal wound, and the, that wizard can make a normal move or run in the following movement phase. And it's that final sentence which got, has got a lot of people very excited. Because the first thing people want to do is they want to work out what wizards... I mean, first off, people want to work out what units are wizards. For instance, wardens aren't wizards. One model inside a unit of wardens is a wizard. And so that one model would move away, break coherency, and would die. <laughs> so that doesn't really work. However, Thanquol, as an example, is a wizard. And then you have to work out what you can get wholly within three inches. Okay? So some units are units of wizards. So there are units in Age of Sigmar that are wizards. Um, and sometimes you just have a single caster, right? And then what you really want is something that can fit within three inches, right? So Thanquo's a good example of something that does, yeah? Um, and then you want to yeet it forward 18 inches. Now, you're still nine away, but then after that, you can move. And it's that final movement bit that's so powerful, Right? Um, so you could magic book on a hammer hero and have a best day ever. Elfrost correct. Um, okay. Uh, right. So other than Thanquo, who you fit inside, you don't really want to have a small wizard that you don't want to get that close. It really depends on what you're setting yourself up for. Like, I think that's the other bit, right? You might want to set yourself up for some crazy plays. You might, like, let's pick Zeech as an example. Let's say you want to put something like a change caster inside the boat, right? You go second in a turn. You decide to do the boat. You boat him forward. You move, so you're three inches away from there. Oh, actually, you might be four inches because I think he's moving five. So you're nine inches away at the end of the boat movement. Then you move five inches. You're four inches away. In the next turn, like, you win the priority roll. That's all you got to do is win a priority roll. Yeah, <laughs> which is a 50-50 chance. Actually, it's a 48% chance because you've gone second already. Um, so you're less likely to win it. Then you just, after you've won the priority roll, you just destiny dice some ender spells into that bad boy. Yeah, whatever you want, right? Uh, okay, just just drop him in, baby. Just drop him in. Whatever you want. Purple sun, sure, destiny dice that bad boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, shackles, destiny dice that bad boy. Um, uh, shards of Aligar, never do that, but destiny dice that bad boy. So you got some fun plays, right? Um, uh, is the prophet a wizard? If you give him a book... Uh, but then he can't cast spells. Um, 
Uh, no, start the hero phase, but you can set it up the next turn. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so it moves at the end of the hero phase, right? Like all endless spells, they move at the end of the hero phase. So the idea of using the boat to then cast an endless spell at the end of it does not work. Um, so you move at the end of the movement. You move a endless spell or a predatory endless spell, which one of these is, at the end of the hero phase. So that's important to remember for your combinations, right? Um, the Prophet's already a wizard. Thanks, Eric Silverman. Uh, if you give a fighter hero the Arcane Tome, he can go in the boat. Yes, of course. You know, you could give, get, take the fightiest wizard, uh, character you can get and stick him inside the boat, right? So there's something in there as well. So really fun, but super situational, the draft draft. <laughs> yeah, really fun, super situational. Um, like, it's, it's part of a combo that you build into your army. That's important. Um, like... I don't think it's anywhere near as effective as, let's say, the the spell portal. Okay, I just think I think it's a B. I think it's a B. I think you've got the opportunity to do some interesting things, right? So you should be aware of it. And those things you can do are interesting and or good. But I don't think it's like, oh my god, this is going to change the shape of the game, right? Um, strong B. So everyone seems B. Okay, no one disagrees in the chat with B. It's pretty fun. Okay, happy with that. Okay, so you can do some combos. Can the boat go through the portal? IP Toothless, correct. The boat can go through the portal. <laughs> okay, teleports are never bad. I agree, teleports are never bad. Okay, all right. So Tarkonex thinks it's an S. I need the reasoning behind why he thinks it's an S. Um, now you're thinking with portals. I mean, yeah, right. Okay, uh, now the one that's got me perplexed, okay, is this bad boy. Okay, Prismatic Palisade. This is quite a long piece, Prismatic Palisade. Um, and used to kind of be like mobile cover uh, way back in the day. But it's changed, and it's changed significantly, and it's kind of interesting. Um, so let's talk about it. Um uh, the Light of Altharion is... The Light of Altharion a wizard? I don't think he is. Because he'd be cool to throw in. Uh, give us S-tier swords. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I say B on average, there are probably some S-tier combos. Uh, yeah, probably. Palisade is weird now. Yeah, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Okay, so it's cast on a 5, so it's low cast, but an easy unbind. And that, I think, is maybe the problem with the Palisade. Because what you really want is you want it so that your opponent really struggles to unbind it. Okay, which means I would you would want a high casting value. Okay, I don't know. Or maybe you just want to like set a trap and just use it. We'll talk about what it does. Okay, it's cast on a five. It's got range of eight inches. All right, so eight inch range, pretty nice. Okay, and then units within six inches of this, so that's going to be 14 inch range from where you cast it, uh, of this end of spell, cannot make shooting attacks. So you just can't shoot. Now this is quite interesting in throwing towards your enemy's shooting castle. But it's units within six inches, so it really depends. Iron Drakes are a little bit screwed by this as existence, but I don't think we'll see as many Iron Drakes anyway, because they're galley vets, so they'll get beat up. So this is a weird bit. However, you add three inches to the range of this ability at the start of each battle round. So if you do cast it on the first battle round, second battle round, it'll be nine inches, and third battle round, it'll be 12 inches. It's probably not the most effective way is to put it on the board and try and make it grow out in range. It's probably just to like dump on your opponent very early 
and wherever that you might think they might be trying to move their units, you just, you know, you just put it there. Okay, but your opponent probably can unbind it, right? Because they've only got a roll of six. But it makes you it means you just can't shoot. Just cannot shoot. Okay, it just pretty much screws up some carriage and overlords who generally don't have tons of anti-magic anyway, right? Uh, uh, portal then Palisade. Uh, you can't cast Palisade through the portal. The portal specifically says you can't cast endless spells through it. You can cast other spells through it. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, so too short range, too easy to unbind before your turn. Tarkovex doesn't seem to like it. It blocks you from killing those units, and the enemy will just dispel this on their turn and shoot you as a position badly. So that's the other thing as well. It's quite broad. It's quite long. Um, and so when you do set it up, you are going to be uh, potentially affected by it yourself, and also it might take up some board space where you might want to charge. Right? Now, the thing is, is I really respect what the, the rules writers were trying to do with this. Like, I'm like, okay, you're putting some anti-shooting tech into an endless spell. There's a couple of problems with this, inherently, is some of the most shooty armies, ignoring KO, are some of the most magic-y armies as well, right? <laughs> they seem to really go hand in hand. Seraphon, Zinch, Cities of Sigmar, you know, they kind of go hand in hand, right? So the, the ability to stop them uh, is really, really strong. Uh, Oripa makes a really great point in the chat. Decent chance to stop Unleash Hell, which is when you charge a unit, every model within six inches of the charging unit can make a shooting attack at minus one to hit. So, like, pretty good um, for doing that. I think situationally there might be a good play. Um, oh, I've actually forgotten its points. So that's this is the one I'm, I'm not 100% on points-wise. Um... Uh, this is uh, 40 points. So it's very cheap. Very, very cheap. Okay, which is good. So if you did just, I mean, you would probably take cogs anyway. But you might set it up for the right situation. Um, but one of the armies that wants it most, which is Corn, doesn't use spells, right? Corn really wants to avoid being shot at. Doesn't have particularly good armor saves. It's not very fast. Uh, ignoring, obviously, Bloodthirsters. Um, but like most of the corn ranges are particularly fast, and so dies to lots of even mid-range shooting. So I feel like corn really needs it. Uh, but of course, you would just take cogs instead. Um, it would be great against cruel boys who can't unbind for shit. Says Avenger, <laughs> they can't. They cannot. Um, and of course, like the the although maybe we won't see a lot of shooty cruel boys this edition. Uh, we'll see a lot of fighty cruel boys because they're trying to use that new that new sub faction ability, uh, ability the grinning blades. Uh, thanks, uh, Aldum. Mm. So what's everyone think in the chat? We've got some positives and we've got some real negatives. Okay. I think the positives maybe outweigh... I don't, I don't know. I think it's being aware... I don't think it's... I, I don't know if you can't justify it. I think it's just right in the situation. In the right situation, it's good. But I don't know if that situation exists in Age of Sigmar. Right? Uh, too easy to unbind, really short range, utility covered by better other spells. I think when you compare it to other other spells, it becomes C tier, like a five game tournament. Make a difference to all five games. Cogswood, no. Uh, D, a lot of Ds. Does it have summoned wholly within? Uh, Biscuit Jesus, does it have to be summoned wholly within? It's an absolutely great question, my friend. Let's go find out, shall we? Uh, because it could be a problem at that point. 
Uh, set up the end of spell wholly within range. Okay, yes. That is a problem. That means it immediately affects you and the caster. Uh, <laughs> uh, definitely for very good players. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm already feeling C and D. I'm already feeling C and D. The chat, very unhappy with it. Um, which is, I, I feel, I feel like I don't want to put it in D. And my only reason behind that is, is because it was nice to see them try to create something to deal with shooting in the right situation. Um, uh, get Dormice to cast it before charging to stop Unleash Hell. Uh, Elf Life, I love that idea. That's fun. Um, cast it after getting off the bone boat, lol. <laughs> you can't, though, because you move, get off the bone boat at the end of the turn. But that would be good. Um, I think C. I think I can't justify it. But I, maybe there's a situation where you can't. Like, people have already put... There's a situation where you cast it to stop Unleash Hell. Okay? There's a situation. Where it works. Where it's effective and it does something that you want it to do. Okay? Uh, 40 points, some armies may get some use. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go for C because I don't think... I don't think there's a case of... Gemini's just do better that better, though. Uh, I agree. But it's 40 points, right? You might have it spot on 40 points. Okay? I think that there's maybe an opportunity there. Maybe. Uh, uh, Gemini's are 40 points. Okay, fine. Fine then. That's a good argument. Then it goes down one. Okay, so it's now in D. Congratulations. <laughs> okay, well done. Okay, well done, chat. You convinced me. <laughs> right, I think it's the fact that you can stop it. You can unbind it on a six means that that's what takes it down here. If they upped the casting value, started it out at nine inches, but they up the casting value, then maybe it would see some usefulness, right? Um, okay, so don't take it. All right, so at which point Geminids was brought up. Let's talk about the Geminids of Ulguish. At one point, one of the most popular center spells, like absolutely no-brainer to take this. It used to do 2d3 mortal wounds, make one unit minus one to hit, and one unit have minus one attacks to its melee profiles. Uh, or maybe, no, just maybe minus one attacks uh, to its profiles, which is amazing. Um, so it was super, super popular. Geminids of Ulguish, which is two models, by the way, two little testicles running around the board, two little ball sacks of joy, uh, is currently running in, I think everyone has said, 40 points. Oh, my God. Why? Is it a predatorial spell? Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's it in there as well. So 40 points, and it is a predatorial spell. You set them up uh, within eight inches of the caster, um, uh, and then... Uh, within six inches of each other, and they have to be wholly within eight inches of the caster. Set up within eight inches. This end of spell is a predatory end of spell, and it can be moved up to eight inches. Okay, so 16 inch range, um, but the parts always have to be within six inches of each other. Yeah. Now it's got the ability tendrils of shadow and light. After this end of spell has moved, roll a dice for each unit that has any models that they passed across. Any mod. Uh, uh, Sorry, as the spell is moved, roll dice for each unit that has any models that are passed across. So each unit that this thing passes or touches, and each other unit that's within one inch at the end of its move, on a two plus, that unit suffers and one mortal wound. In addition, that mortal wound caused by this ability is uh, allocated to a unit and not negated. That unit cannot issue or receive commands until the start of the next combat phase. Okay? Until uh, the start of the next combat phase. Now, the re the reason that the Geminids is pretty trash, 
in my opinion. Although it does have a situation for... Um, uh, oh, maybe not. Maybe you could all add defense. Your next combat phase is your next combat. The next combat phase is your next combat phase. So, my hero phase, I cast it. It moves 16 inches. Sorry, it moves 8 inches after being set up within 8 inches, so 16 inches. Yeah, so pretty short range, mid-tier anyway. Right? Then, it's my movement phase. It's my shooting phase. And it's my charge phase. Right? And then the next combat phase is when the ability of it ends, right? When the ability of it ends, okay? Uh, and it also has to do that mortal wound. And it also has to happen on a 2+, plus for all of those things to happen. So I need a 2+, plus. you need to not negate the mortal wound, okay? And then it's going to affect you doing redeploy against me, so you can't redeploy, which is pretty huge and could be very important. Um... It's going to stop you doing all-out defense in my shooting phase, which is good against shooting units. Uh, and then it's going to do... Uh, it's going to stop you do... Uh, that's it, I think. Uh, right? Uh, so you ping them through a unit. You don't want to stand and shoot. Yes, Dave. So that there's a, there's an option. So you do them through a unit that you don't want to stand and shoot. On a 2+, plus, like... And then a 2+, plus, right? They're not great, but they did way better than I thought they'd do on the table. I'd put them in high B. Um, good for achieving one battle tactic. Situationally, you lock in uh, without redeploy or any shell, but it sucks that you need a dice roll. It does. I think it's too many hoops. Like, for a competitive player, or for, sorry, a veteran player, as of yesterday, I now am going to describe there's being two types of players who play Warhammer. There are casual Warhammer players and there are veteran Warhammer players. It's much better than narrative versus competitive. Uh, I'll be making some other videos on this later next week. Um, but I finally come to some sort of like uh, naming convention that I feel very comfortable with. I think veteran players really rely on or really enjoy reliability. Yeah, like they don't want a two plus and then you to not roll a five up or a four up in some cases uh, to ignore that to stop the ability, and then they've got to cast the spell as well. I really don't see anyone taking it. However, casual players potentially could have some fun bombing it around, uh, but it doesn't even do that much damage. Um, does this stop Stormcast or DOK shooting in the hero phase? No age of something, because the effect... Oh, actually, it, it would. It would. If you can cast it into their army... Uh, no, it wouldn't stop them shooting. In the sh no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, uh... Uh, <laughs> I'm veteran curious. That's good. I like that. Uh, prevent redeploys. For, prevent all-out defenses in shooting phase. Prevent only shells. For 40 points. Okay? So for 40 points. So I feel like a C is fine. Okay? Because it's got too many hoops to go through for me to definitely achieve those things. Otherwise, I'd put it in B where I'd like be aware it exists. Right? Uh, right. Uh, like I think I think C is fine. It's 40 points, so it's crazy cheap. It moves at the end of each hero phase, so that's really good. Uh, Stop and redeploy and unleash shell is quite nice. I agree. Uh, pleased. Uh, it's all units. Uh, you can affect an entire castle. You can, but it's 16 inch range. Um, I think I'm very comfortable. I think I'm very comfortable with it being in C. Right, you can also stop 16 runs and reroll charges. That's a nice. That's a nice. Uh, that's nice. I like stopping 16 runs and reroll charges. I think. I think a reaper's got it out there. Like I just can't justify it because it doesn't always happen. Right, I bring it for an effect that doesn't always happen. Purple sun, I'm bringing for the minus one save, and I'm also for the opportunity to sometimes win the game. Right, 
Um, uh, the way I look at uh, spells... Okay, we've already definitely decided we're spending 110 points on Endless Spells, right? If you've got even a single wizard, I would feel comfortable taking Purple Sun and Cox. Okay, here in my army. Right? So, to just... Like, now we're like, do we spend 150 points and take Geminids? And I just don't think it happens. Um, yeah. Yes, Dave, correct. Uh, there's opportunity benefit versus opportunity cost. Purple Sun is an opportunity cost. Um, and Purple Sun... Sorry. Geminids is an opportunity cost. And Purple Sun is an opportunity benefit. Yeah. Uh, you can only uh, cast one endless spell per wizard. But just cast Cogs turn one and Purple Sun turn two, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, no. You can only control one. You would need two wizards. You're right. You're right. Um, so I would still take two. Is my point. So this is important. Um, so spelly good. Uh, so I'm going to put it as C. All right. Happy with that? Some people are not happy with that. Some people are like, it's way better than that. Uh, I don't think there is a cap to end the spell, uh, spells per wizard. But I'm pretty certain each... And I'm pretty certain you can only... Each wizard can only cast one end of spell. I'm pretty certain. Uh, but I'll double check that in a bit. I'll double check. Okay. Uh, right, next up. Uh, per turn, yes. Yes. I uh, don't need to control cogs. No, you do not need to control cogs. So that's what I'm seeing. You've got one wizard. You cast cogs turn one. Then you're affected by cogs, but you're not controlling cogs. And then you cast... Because it's not a predatory in the spell. Then you cast purple sun. Um... Uh, uh, hello, Grey Fox. Hope you well. I like the idea of a spell port on historical frenzy for big blobs. Okay, good. Loving that. All right, racist swords causing so much, so much speculation. Okay, so much speculation, so much love. The racist swords. Um, okay, uh, it's not worth more than a triumph. Uh, what is not the racist swords? I, but you can still take a triumph. Let's be really conscious of that. Like, these aren't things I'm... I'm not... I'm putting cogs in purple sun in every list that's got a wizard, basically. Like, zero doubt from me on that front. Um, and then I can also just be cheap enough to take a triumph if I want as well. Why are the swords racist? Okay, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> the Quicksilver swords used to do extra damage. or They used to roll 12 dice, but I think you used to roll 15 dice or maybe 18 dice if you rolled them against Chaos only. So it used to be a really great endless spell because you would use them and they would be good anyway. But then if you played against Chaos, they became extra good. So for a while, Nathan would call them the racist swords. Hence, the Quicksilver swords for a long time were the racist swords. Okay. So let's talk about what they do. Uh, so one second. Uh, okay. So you they're cast on a six and you set them up within six inches, obviously wholly within, and they move eight inches. So it's going to be a 14 inch threat range turn one. After this end of spell has moved, you can pick one unit that has any models that it touched and roll 12 dice. So this is important. It's not a unit that you end up within an inch of or three inches of. Purple Sun's units within three inches, for example, is crazy range. Or for the minus one save is six inches, so crazy range. This has to have touched it. And it's not particularly fast. It moves eight inches, right? Um, uh, so your first turn threat range is 14 inches. So you're unlikely to hurt anyone on the first turn with it. You roll 12 dice, and for each 5 plus, um, the unit suffers one mortal wound, right? And in addition, the mortal wounds caused by this ability cannot be negated. This has caused all manner of conversations, specifically around Marathi, specifically around Marathi, where um, you cannot negate an ability 
But Marathi doesn't negate abilities. Just Marathi is like, I can only take three three wounds and everything else is not ignored. It doesn't even say ignored. It just says, can't take them. Um, so I don't think this has any effect on Marathi, in my personal opinion. Uh, maybe there needs to be an FAQ, but I really don't think there needs to be. Right? I don't think this is the Marathi killer. I don't think that's what it's going to be. Um, but what it is nice against is characters that have a ward save as their main form of protection. Okay, uh, potentially doing three mortal wounds. And it's got a really nice um, uh, uh, she can't do, she can't do any faster than this. I agree, right? Um, uh, so the uh, like this is this is quite nice. This is quite nice because it's on average three mortal wounds. That's pretty good. Each hero face that's going to be six mortal wounds each. Um, that's going to be six mortal wounds each battle round. So it really could stack up. Uh, good versus Godrek, yeah, definitely. Like, it's pretty nice, yeah. Like, um, definitely a final answer to work our profits. <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, an answer to the threat that are <laughs> orcs with boogie wooga faces, right? <laughs> um, uh, so some fun little options, right? Especially if you're playing against your friend. Um, it's pretty nice. It's easy enough to unbind. You're going to be uh, unbinding on a seven. So on average, you should get rid of it. So it's going to be a little bit harder for it to come into play a lot of the time. Right? Um, like, uh, so, uh, like, no, he won't take one wound from this. He will take the four mortal wounds. I agree. Uh, so that's Quicksilver Swords. Um, like, it's interesting. Uh, it comes in at four. 40 points for Quicksilver Swords. You ignore the ward save, but you can't... Um, Quicksilver Swords is 60 points. Okay. 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 That goes there, then. That goes there. In When everything else is... When everything else is super cheap, like, I cannot justify 60 points for maybe six mortal wounds when my opponent can unbind it. Like... Maybe if I'm doing loads of other spell damage. Maybe if I'm running Zinch, I'm throwing it in there. Um, because And I'm going for like max spell damage. But I'm definitely taking Cogs and Purple Sun and Zinch anyway. Um, maybe if I'm taking... I don't know. I don't think... I don't think this is that good. We, get, we all get really excited. When you hear no ward saves allowed, everyone gets a little bit frothy. It's kind of like when you go to the supermarket. Oh, okay, quick story, just to throw everyone out there. I used to run nightclubs for a living. Uh, and on the Thursday night, which was student night, um, we made it that it was the drinks were two for one. That's right. All drinks were two for one. And I just doubled the price of the drinks. Okay. But the place instantly became much busier. I think we had 120% uptick on door sales, which was great. And that proceeded to last for like 10 years. Uh, because people were like, it's two for one drinks. How incredible is that? And they didn't mind that the one drink cost four pounds because then you got two drinks for two pounds, which is what they were previously selling them at anyway. So uh, I think we hear mortal wounds and we think two for one. Uh, ignore ward saves. Mortal two for one. But really, it's fine. Right? It's fine. Uh, 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 each wizard can control one other spell. So if you have two other spells and one wizard, uh, the two other spells are predatory. You have to choose which control, which one goes well. Shugo, thank you. Uh, yes, correct. Why does Gives Workshop value damage so much, and particularly melee damage? I mean, destruction tax also. Um, that's a great question. I'm not really sure, but it's a good one to talk about later. Uh, for first experience, if I hear two for one drinks, I get four drinks, not two. <laughs> 
good. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay. All right, so, Quicksilver Swords. Um, okay, we're not doing too bad. Malevolent Maelstrom is just not worth talking about, right? Might even deserve its own tier, right? Might even deserve its own tier, okay? It's cast on a who cares. It does a who cares, and who cares? It's bookkeeping for no damage. Just, just it, like, it's not even worth talking about. So we'll put it there, okay? The only reason it might be worth talking about, uh, because it might be worth casting... Oh, actually, it might be worth talking about specifically because of Cronspine Incarnate, for God's sakes. Oh, God. Uh, so it's very cheap, uh, and it's cast on a five. Okay. So it might be important because you can... you can Because it's so cheap, if you take a Cronspine Incarnate, the Cronspine Incarnate can eat it and go up a level, right? Um, and it costs... Well, how much does this thing cost? 50... Oh, my God. Okay, never mind. Okay, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, oh man, Maelstrom proves that Games Workshop doesn't know how to write rules for its own game. Uh, well, I think Maelstrom is just a holdover and a copy and paste. Um, Cronspine can only cast spells to cast by any words. Thanks, Ar Arachnomad. Okay, so not even worth it for that. Okay, so we'll get rid of that. Okay, so I wish we could put that lower. If We might need to make another tier just for the Maelstrom. I need you to know that. Um, uh, Maelstrom could have been cogs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next up, Soul Screen Bridge. Um, probably worth putting roughly where, um, roughly where the the bringy dingy is to be aware it exists. It's very expensive points wise. The Soul Screen Bridge is eighty points, and what you're able to do, oh there it is, thank you, uh, is cast uh, with on a six, so it's okay to cast. Uh, and it's set up within a range of twenty four inches. Both parts. There are two parts to this, and it's got a very massive base within 24 inches of each other, right? And what it does is at the start of the movement phase, the player whose turn it is uh, can remove one friendly unit that's holding within six inches of part of this end of spell uh, from the battlefield and set up again holding within six inches of the other part of the end of spell more than nine inches away. So it's 80 points for basically a teleport that you've got to cast a spell on. Uh, the unit cannot be removed and set up again in a new way more than once per phase. A unit removed and set up again in this way cannot make a normal move in the turn before. But it is a setup. And it doesn't count as a move, which is really useful for things like Iron Drakes, who then will get an additional shot because, uh, thanks, Killer Cabbage, for resubscribing, uh, they'll get an additional shot. Pam, 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 pam. Uh, because it'll be a setup and don't count as a move, which means they haven't moved, which means they get an extra shot, which is quite nice. Same for Crossbowmen for Cities of Sigma. Um, hello, Danbrook. Hello, hello, hello. The thing is, is this means that a unit is left out, like, pretty exposed um, because just one unit stood out there hoping maybe useful with units that want reroll charges that are really slow they want to get across the board and do some big reroll charges uh, to get in um uh but yes it has like some armies really want to use it it's also really useful to cast because the bases are so big to block your opponent from moving into certain areas now you're able to move over endless spells but you've got to finish your move so let's say if you were to put um two these two next to each other literally like back to back um, you're going to create like quite a big zone for a unit to have to move through. So you can move block with the Endless Spell, which for 80 points is probably too much to do, but it's possible to do it, and in the right situation it works. Um, uh, does this set up count as a teleport on the battle plan? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. 
so I think being aware it exists is good because there are some combinations where maybe it works. I think less so more than ever. I think less so maybe more than ever. Um, but teleports are always good, as Age of Something says. Um, and we might see it in some lists. So I think uh, be a B. A B is fine. That feels comfortable. Uh, and then, um, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay, next up, we're going to do Soul Snare Shackles, baby. Soul Snare Shackles. Can it be better? Now, I've always liked Soul Snare Shackles because of what it can do, but it never seems to do that quite right. So it's cast on a 7, so it's a very high casting value uh, compared to the rest of these Ender Spells. Um, if successfully cast it up the parts of this Ender Spell, holding 3 inches of each other and holding within range of the caster. There's 3 parts to them. Three parts, okay? Uh, and they have to be uh, holding in range of the caster, right? Which means it immediately affects the caster once you've cast it, which is pretty rough. Um, uh, now, units within six inches of this endless spell cannot run or attempt to charge, okay? In addition, at the start of the movement phase, roll dice for each unit within six inches, okay, of this endless spell. On a six, that unit can suffers D3 mortal wounds, right? Now, this is difficult because you it's danger close as a spell. You set it up within 8 inches of the caster, right? So it's very close to the caster anyway, which means on the first turn, it's right next to your army, okay? However, turns 2 or 3, you've brought shackles, your opponents charge you or like very close to charging you, you cast shackles into their army. They've got to roll an 8 to stop it, otherwise their entire army can't charge. Could be interesting. Um, the hardest to pronounce three times in a row in a spell. Soul Snare Shackles, Soul Snare Shackles, Soul Snare Shackles! Get it. Get it. Um, now, not being able to charge at all is obviously absolutely massive. Your opponent can obviously ignore it. They could just move outside of six inches to do their charge. So, like, it doesn't have a particularly broad range, I don't think. And I don't really think it's very justifiable. But I like the idea of it. Like, I like the idea of, like, there being... Um, it's 50 points, just FYI. So, I like the idea of them doing something. But I don't know what the chat thinks. I can't seem to justify it, is where I feel. Like, um, if this was a higher range, it would be the best one there. It used to cast at 18 inches, so it's great. Um, I can't justify it, but I like the idea of it. And it might even come up in the right situation. You put a screen forward. I'm thinking about something along the lines of like you've uh, you've moved up a unit of hobgrots as a good example, right? As a big screen to stop your opponent, yeah. And you just bosh this down. So even trying to charge the hobgrots, you just can't charge them. Can't get within six inch. Can't charge them, right? Um, uh, can use it to shut down the incarnate. Yes, but they could move outside range of the incarnate, which I think is a difficult one. Um, uh, you're not putting yourself in range, so if they keep out six, they are 12 away. That's true. That's true, Cabbage. Um, S tier, because I like the rust effect on it. Yes. <laughs> uh, I had a fun game once, running into an enemy front line with some Dawn Riders and sitting on an objective on a threshold of the territory and dropping this. Just very situational. Okay. I think we can't justify it, chat. I don't think we can justify this, but we want to. Like, we want to justify it, but I don't think... I don't think we can justify it, okay? Uh, it doesn't really work. Next up, Soul um, 
suffocating grave tide. Suffocating grave tide. Okay, so I saw two of these at the weekend, which I thought was interesting. A lot of people painting these up. So it's got a casting value of six, so lower than some of the others. Um, and on average, you should unbind it. Uh, and you set it within eight inches. And then it moves eight inches every turn. Now, this is good because it's quite big. Um, and so being able to move it eight inches is great, right? So happy with that. Um, and it used to be very, very slow. So it's faster than it was, 16-inch range. After this ender spells moved for each unit that uh, has that has any models uh, it's passed across, roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in that unit on a roll of a six, the unit suffers one mortal wound. So it's what we call a horde clearing spell. So if you have 60 models, you'll take 10 mortal wounds. There's an interesting juxtaposition always with that though, in that if you have 60 models, you don't care about 10 mortal wounds. If you have five models, you really care about 10 mortal wounds. Um, so this doesn't really, like if it was a five, that would be very interesting. Okay, because then you would be taking 20 more toys. You'd be like, actually, it's pretty significant, right? Um, you're even rolling on like a unit of 10 infantry that was fairly elite. Uh, you could potentially get two or three more wounds and actually quite nice. Um, but because it's a six, it's pretty rubbish uh, overall. However, it's got a really big base, so you could use it for potentially moving stuff uh, to block stuff up. But it costs... How much does it cost? Uh... 40 points, so that's a, that's a just a no. That's just a straight no. Don't take it. Don't take it. Don't bother taking it. Um, I like that there are so many grave tides in the mortal realms that this need qualifying that it's suffocating. <laughs> or maybe all grave tides are suffocating in the mortal realms cabbage. Maybe that's the other way around, right? Um, so yeah, I think this is a don't take. I don't think it does anything useful, um, right? Like, this just isn't good, right? It just doesn't work. Um, okay? Like, even moving it twice, it's just, it just doesn't, just isn't, isn't effective. Like, I just, and, and it's, and it's, its value decreases as the game goes on. So, if you are against a 60-person horde, and you manage to hit it, and then you do 10 mortal wounds, now you'll roll less dice the next turn, and it's less effective, right? Um, um Yeah. Okay. It's for each unit, though. Maybe that's a save of grace. Okay, if they've got two. Maybe. Um, okay, it's all sh shit. Live shit. We should stay down and have a cry. Great fox. <laughs> Come on. You got it. Uh, okay, next up. Emerald Life Swarm, baby. We're getting a pretty clear distinction between these endless spells, by the way, uh, looking at this graph so far, which I'm quite enjoying. Emerald Life Swarm has got a lot worse than it once was. Um, it's 60 points. Okay, so Emerald Life Swarm. Just talk about the specifics of it. Let's go look at it specifically. It's cast on a six, so okay to cast, but easy to unbind. Uh, with a range of six inches, and it moves eight inches, and it's predatory and can fly, which means at the end of each hero phase, it's going to move and have its effect. Spontaneous bounteous healing. After this end of spell has moved, the commanding player can pick one unit within three inches, and they can heal D3 wounds allocated to that unit, or they can return like D3, up to D3 wounds worth of models, right? Um, so if you've got one wound models, you can put like D3 back. Really good into super elite one wound units like your um, uh, Sentinels for Lunar Realm Lords. Lunar Realm Lords are pretty much like, we love this, this is the best uh, because you can return models. Maybe even good, maybe even good inside like other elf factions, unfortunately, <laughs> like Ironet <laughs> like Deepkin. Um, Phoenix Guard, I guess, as well, D3. So you could be getting two D3 back every 
battle round, which is pretty significant, on average four Phoenix Guard. So over the course of two battle rounds, you're going to be getting uh, nearly 170 points worth of Phoenix Guard back. So actually pretty nice overall. Uh, into big characters like your Archeons or your Blobes. Uh, or your great and clean ones, and D3 is actually also really nice as well. You can only pick one unit, um, so you are paying 60 points uh, to heal one unit D3. But in the right situation, like, I think quite good. But I don't think it has an effect like Spell Portal. And I don't think it has an effect like Cogs. Um, I think it's okay. Right? I think it's okay to be able to heal stuff. Right? Uh, like, but I, but it used to heal D3 when it was set up and D3 when it moves, right? So it used to be 2D3, 2D3 um, uh, on the initial cast, right? I think it's still okay for some armies, which is why I've got it in Be Aware It Exists. It's a nice combo like the Bridge or the Soul Seeker, right? But I don't think it's the same as Portal. I don't think it's ever been game-changing. Um, or when it was game-changing, when it was heal and set up D3, um, I think it's half as good as them, right? So I think I think B. I think B's okay. I think B's comfortable. Uh, I think it's a, I think it is a great take in some armies, but I do not think it's a great take in most armies. Like you're not going to get an army that doesn't really have any wizards, give them the book so they are a wizard, and think I'm going to heal D3 wounds for 60 points when 10 more points you could auto win. <laughs> like. <laughs> um, Okay, oh, so Darkness doesn't agree. That's fine. That's good. You're allowed to disagree. That's how it works. Uh, but I think it's a B, is where I think it is. Um, so I like. I don't like. I think we need a benevolent binstorm tier because it take Palisade over that any day. Uh, interesting, interesting Palisade. Uh, uh, auto win is a hard hot take. Purple Sun is an opportunity auto win. Like. If I cast this into your castle, turn one. If I cast Purple Sun into your army, turn one, and I just roll a one on everything that matters in your army, great and let's say let's just do a great and clean one and blobe, yeah, nine hundred points. That's an auto win, right? You're not coming back from that, like, because all I've done is cast a spell. I haven't done anything else useful. Like even turn two, right? Like just randomly. Like of course it's randomly. It's opportunity auto win. But some games with Purple Sun, you will auto-win the game. Like, that's how it works, right? Uh, or you'll hypothetically win the game, right? Auto-win's the wrong term. Okay, but you'll just, on a couple of rolls of one, some games with Purple Sun, you're just going to win the game without doing anything else. No movement really taking effect, nothing else, right? Uh... <laughs> uh, imagine win the lottery into Seraphon Castle. Exactly! Exactly. Imagine pulling that lever. You're in Las Vegas. Bosh. Oh, I'll put I'll put a dollar or whatever I need to put into that machine that says a million bucks at the top. Everyone does it. You put the buck in. You pull the lever. You don't get it. Bosh. Right. But it's not even that. It's not even the odds aren't even that. It's one in six. Right. And you just pull the lottery. Ching ching. Slan croak. Just in the in the thing. Um, uh, good luck, Bobbin. I'm happy for you. Uh, okay, so next up, uh, let's do, let's put this, <laughs> the Shards of Valagar. <laughs> the Shards, the Shards of Valagar. okay. Such an interesting spell that's never really pulled out, I think, what they want it to achieve. Um, 
You think you should be able to screen out the sun with its base size. It's three inches, units within three inches, uh, Roscoe. So you probably can screen out the sun sometimes, right? Uh, uh, okay, so uh, shards of Alagar. Uh, they're not even bad, just not justifiable, what you're talking about. Yeah, then they're, they're not even bad. They're just, yeah, I, 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 this is an interesting one. This is Shards of Alagar is a really interesting one. It's two really large bases. I think they're 90 by 75 mils, right? And you cast them on a five. So easy to cast, easy to unbind. Um, and a range of 18 inches. So big range. Finally, let's go big ranges. 18 inches, and they have to be set up wholly within 12 inches, 12 inches of each other, right? Okay. They're predatory, but they're unique in the way that they're predatory because one of the two that you cast moves, and then you can set it up within 12 inches of the other one. So it's kind of like a lodestone that it teleports around, right? That's how you do it, and you'll do that at the end of each each phase. As this ender spell has moved, draw a straight line between the closest points of each part of the ender spell. Each unit that passed across the line um, is ensnared, which means you half the move characteristic of that unit until it's ensnared. In addition, a unit that is ensnared cannot fly or be removed from the battlefield with an effect that would allow it to be set up again. So no teleports. Okay, and that's amazing, right? That's genuinely very effective, in my opinion. Like, the ability to, like, pick a unit and say, right, well, like... That unit half move also can't teleport because it's going to be really good, right? Uh, aesthetically, shards is one of the coolest looking ender spells. I agree. I agree. It's one of my faves. I think it looks really good, like as an ender spell. But then I just don't know. Like it kind of, it's kind of like what you're seeing. I, I think it's in the right category, right? We, we, I think we put it in C as in you can't justify it, like you can't justify um, uh, geminids, and you can't justify shackles but you like the idea of potentially doing it to your opponent like you maybe like could run like a big debuff build right you take geminids you take shackles you take shards and you're just like you're like i'm just gonna try and debuff as much stuff as i can maybe you can't charge maybe you're half move and can't teleport maybe that you won't be able to receive like redeploys and other stuff like um like, you could do a bunch of different things. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Right? So there's some, there's some interesting stuff there, but I can't justify it. But maybe there's a really fun, interesting build, right? Because, like, when you think about Legion of the First Prince, which always includes Kairos, there's no way that Kairos doesn't take a Purple Sun. Or, the, well, no, Kairos is actually taking um, uh, Spell Portal all the time. Right? So you're already one spell down. You're probably taking Cogs to reroll Castle on all the Wizards for Bellacor, the Epitome, stuff like that. You're probably taking cogs. You might take purple sun. You spend a lot of points on the spells there, right? Um, imagine if it, if shards had the ranges it has, but the ability of shackles. Yeah, that would be better, right? Uh, just like you can't justify emerald life swarm. Uh, like, I think emerald life swarm's got situational cases where it's useful. I really do. Um, and some lists will put it in because they're like, I want an additional healing. Like seraphon is pretty great in seraphon. Right, if you double it up with all the other healing, that's like so much healing, right, that it becomes obnoxious. Um, but Shards of Alagar, I'm putting it down in C, my opinion, um, because you can't justify it, but I want to, because I think there's something there, right? It's not complete bin, not complete bin, right? And is your opponent even gonna, like, is your opponent even gonna unbind it? I don't know, like, because it doesn't affect them as much. Uh, Shards is a cool concept, I agree. Like, I agree. Okay, so we're down to our final four. Down to our final four. Okay, let's do Horogast. 
Okay, and I think that horror gas is going to be a really good one. Thank you, W. Soren. Hello from Texas. Um, I'm not taking another spell on my DOK. Heart Fury is great, though. Yes, we will do faction specific under spells in the future. Okay, Heart Fury is pure stonks. It is agreed. Okay, so the Horrorgast. In no way was this uh, Legion of Naga uh, the Legion of um, Legion of Nagash uh, and the spells that they co-opted into something else. The literal ghostly head of Nagash. Uh, sure. <laughs> like. <laughs> right, okay, so it's cast on a 5, easy to cast, easy to unbind, um, and a range of 12 inches. Okay, okay, good. Range of 12 inches. So you set it up within that. And it's predator and ender spell, and it moves 8 inches, so now we're at 20 inches. We don't mind that. Um, uh, okay, so units within 12 inches of this endless spell cannot receive commands in the battle shock phase. In addition, if a unit fails a battle shock test within 12 inches of this endless spell, add D3 to the number of models that flee. Ladies and gentlemen, this is amazing, is what I'm going to say. So let's just, just double check the points and make sure I'm, I'm in the right place with it. Um, uh, what is it called? Horogast. It's 40 points, right? And this is amazing, I think. I think in the right in the right setup. Oh my goodness! So again, units within twelve inches of this endless spell. So that's all the units within twelve inches of the endless spell cannot receive commands in the battle shock phase. So you can't do inspiring presence. Right? In addition, if a unit fails a battle shock test within twelve inches of this endless spell, add D three. So it's really good into hordes, and it's great into elite units that are like, ah, oh, I've lost one Colonel Thunder. And you're like, wow, actually, it's 1 plus D3 now, right? And it's 12-inch range. Units within 12 inches. And you cast it within 8, and it moves 12. Oh, sorry, it, you set it within 12, and it moves 8. So this can just follow the enemy around, right? Now, it's easy to unbind, sure, but it's also 40 points, okay? This is, I think, amazing stuff. I think 40 points, this is great. Sure, some armies ignore Battleshock, okay? Right, they do. But it's 40 points, right? And I think this is amazing. Uh, like, I really do. I think it's better than Life Swarm. I think it's better than Life Swarm uh, for 40 points. Don't think it breaks top three in the big spell hitters list, but it's great point filling most non-magic focused armies. Uh, says Arachnomad. They found the counter crawlboy kill boss. One only one model flees. <laughs> uh, well, I was hoping to get the malign portance box. Now I think I might need to get this Shugo. Put this in that if I have spare points, categories to start next. And I think I would rather reroll saves once per game. Uh, okay, again, like you can just do both. Like, and I know you made a point about it, but you can do both. Um, uh, like. Uh, I like this. I like this. Um, I wouldn't even say it's beware it exists. I would say it's an A. Like, and I know that seems strong. Like, with Spellportal as its brother. But I think that for 40 points... Like, sure. Now you've got to choose between four, right? And it's situational. Okay? You got, I mean, you're choosing those two all day at the top. But A and B? Like, I think it's in there. Uh... Like, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. 12-inch range? That's so much of the board. That's 24 inches. Like, um, 
would have put them in A. Interesting, Toby. Interesting. Um, hi, Toby. Love you. Uh, you can go back and listen. But my my qu- just to just to be really clear, I think three wounds. I don't care about is is the answer. Um, but I recognise that you might think different, and that's fine. Okay. Uh, no, you lose Battleshock plus D3, uh, but then Killer Wasp reduces it to one. Yeah. I like it, but I think it's more situational than shards. I don't think it's more situational than shards. You do Battleshock tests all the time. You do Battleshock tests all the time. So even just failing on an extra D3, even just like, oh, I failed, and it's a D3, that could be right. Uh, 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 Frost, yes, you can. Uh, depending on which one you're talking about. Uh, when you ever... Uh, when are you ever not going to want to half enemy movement? But you rarely will be able to, I think. Uh, um, but like, I love this. I, I absolutely love this. Like, I love it. I think it's good. And I think people don't take it enough. I want to run it in the future. My only worry, my only worry, is that the couple of armies that I want to take it with are mega, are mega affected by it, right? So I think it is very situational, right? in the right context, but it works so good into a shooting army. You just dash it forward, turn one, 12 inch, so it's 20 inches, uh, eight, 8 and 12, yeah, and then 12 inches from there. And then I just, like, imagine this, and then just take yourself three units of um, uh, the Sinesh shooting boys, just shoot everything. Just be like, I'll take two off that unit, take two off that unit, I can't inspire in presence. Oh, there you go, right? Um, Oh, Maggotkin it would work well in. That's clever. Um, uh, taking Mimron Banshees. Yeah, okay. All right, so not many left. Uh, uh, can be also also be great against 4-plus rallies now. Can't rally if they all run away. I agree with Black Toby in the chat. Um, okay, so we're going to do uh, the Aether Void Pendulum. The Pendulum. Okay, uh, sorry, the Aether Void Pendulum is cast on a five so easy to cast easy to unbind and a range of eight inches successfully cast uh set the tip up and it can only move in that direction okay only right uh it can only move in that direction but it's a predatory endless spell and it moves eight inches and it can fly but it always must go where the tip is pointing Scythe and Blade, after this endless spell has uh, moved, roll a dice for each unit that has any models that it's passed across. On a two-up, they suffer D3 mortal wounds and any that they end up with. Now, if your army is, if the enemy army is very clumped together, then this will work quite nicely. You always just direct this towards an objective as well. Um, that is not how a pendulum works. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree. Uh, hello, uh, Napgod. I <laughs> uh, haven't do it in, uh, right. So now, <laughs> um, now if your armies all come together, this is really good because your situation you're going to do a lot of mortal wounds in a big bracket in a big aura. But um, your army isn't nor the enemy armies aren't really normally placed that way unless it happens in the first turn. And it's very unlikely you're going to get this cast in the first turn at your enemy army. And they can just move out of the way, and it's 40 points. So, I can't justify it is there. I just think don't take it. Um, like, uh, good, good morning, MB. Good morning. Um, so, I, I put it as uh, don't take it. Uh, pendulum is don't take. I agree. 
Um, like, and, and if for no other reason for not understanding what a pendulum is, I think is the right... I agree with this chat. The chat livid. Um, uh, for the limit that can't chase enemies, it should do more damage. Yeah, like, it should spike way higher. Like, it should be like impending doom, right? Like, it should be every unit within an inch is D6 mortal wounds. Like, no 2+, plus, none of that business, right? Like, it should be like... It should be... And even then, you'd be like... Even if, even if that was right now, it was... Every unit within an inch takes D6 mortal wounds, right? When it finishes its move. Or any it's touched. I'd still be like... See. <laughs> like, that's where I'd put it. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's 40 points okay um, uh, Sinesh using it to self damage for points is really funny Dave I like that idea uh, because as Sinesh dam units get damaged they, they obviously can summon points um, we've got two left we've got the burning head okay the burning head the burning head um, okay so the burning head is 20 points crazy cheap so we just need to do anything and maybe we'll take it okay it's cast on a six so like compared to the others a little bit up there and a range of eight inches to set up with an eight and it moves eight inches so 16 inch effective range after this ender spell is moved if any units are within three inches of it roll a dice for each unit with a uh, roll a dice for each unit within three inches okay uh, if any units are within three inches, roll a dice for each unit within three inches of this other spell. On a two plus, that's for D3 mortal wounds. After this other spell causes any mortal wounds with this ability, it's removed from play. Okay. So. Let's talk about that, shall we? 16 inch range. You've set it up. It's only cost you 20 points. You do D3 mortal wounds and then you remove it from play. Right? Um, so, not bad. Not bad. Um... So if it doesn't do damage, it stays correct. Burnhead is a B. It's fine for being how cheap it is. It's really cute energy with uh, synergy with Blobe. I think for its points, A personally. Interesting. So 16 inches to do D3 mortal wounds for 20 points. So the the idea that it's so cheap that it's effective that it's just a, a just a D3 mortal wound bomb for 20 points. I don't hate the idea of that. I I can see I can see some really solid justification for just doing. D3 mortal wounds, then removing it from play. I really can. Especially into armies that maybe want to... Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I actually think for 20 points, it's hard just to say not. It's not a great take, right? Like, um, I think maybe A. Thinking about it. Like, I'm just there. I've got a cast. And I'm like, do you know what? D3 mortal wounds. Off I go. Um... The downside is that dismisses the points of what another spell is. It's true. Like, it's just cheap because it's cheap. Can you cast it again after removal? Not that turn, uh, but the next one of your hero phases, yes. Um, I'm just looking at it as I have armies where I have wizards with 80 point left. Still likely to get a triumph if I have to take this, and I have another option. Okay, and A, Brooks. I think, yeah. I think A. I think based on the points, and the points alone, like, if it was 40 points, I'd probably put it at, like, D. Right? But it's so cheap. Right? So cheap. Um, it's kind of bad given it's a great spell in S&A. One good point is that it nobody wants to unbind it, so probably low A. But you'll unbind it yourself, because it'll just get ready. Right? You literally have 20 points, and it's just there. It's like you just put it in your army. Right? 
Now, does it compete with the others? I mean, for 40 points, I can literally make you just run away forever. Uh, comparing it to the... Comparing on its own, a great take. Comparing it to the other render spells you can take, I feel like it's a B. Like... Uh, like that's why I'm gonna go for that. I'm gonna go for that. But that's that's definitely a borderline because I feel like in some situations you've just got a, kid, a wizard and you're like I don't really care about rerolling my casts and I'm just gonna bang a purple. Uh, sorry, I'm just gonna bang out. Um, <laughs> you still just take the purple sun. You spend fifty points. You just maybe win the game. Like bonkers. Like. Uh, uh, you don't make room for it in a list. Yeah, so if you just... Ha yeah, be aware it exists. If you happen to... As Tarkonex is making a very good uh, point, if you do have the opportunity to take a Triumph, which is game-changing and should be removed from the game. I hate Triumphs. I always have. I just don't think they should be in the game. I know. Oh, I want my Triumph, Rob. I don't care. Um, uh, like, if it wasn't for 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 that, um, like, uh, making making room for it, but you could always be aware of it, right? You're But, like... If you're at like nineteen forty points in your list anyway, right? You want the triumph, so because you you be not, I don't know. I take Horogast anyway. Uh, nothing of value would be lost if triumphs run away. Literally nothing of value. It's just a stupid holdover from Age of Sigmar zero, and it's been and it's been tournament winning for many people, and it's it's just dumb. Mm. Um. Okay, so, finally, Ravenax gnashing jaws. <laughs> That's how it sounds. That's it. Okay, so, uh, Ravenax gnashing jaws, okay, uh, is 60 points. 60 points. Okay, so let's go. 60 points. And after this endless spell, uh, after this one, by the way, after we put this in the category, uh, throw me some questions in the chat on what you think, because um, I'd like to hear. So it's cast on a six, and it's a range of eight inches, set up within eight inches. Big base, big base. Okay? If successfully cast, uh, you set it within, wholly within the caster. Right? This endless spell is a predator endless spell, and it moves 3d6 inches. So on average, I think that's 10. And can fly. You can re-roll the dice that determines how far um, it moves on the turn that you summoned it. After this endless spell has moved, you pick one unit this enemy model has passed across for that, uh, or within, or is within one inch, or is within one inch of it at the end of the move. And roll a dice on a two plus, two plus. Um, if the roll of this endless spell's move was greater than the unit's move characteristic, that unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the difference between that unit's move characteristic and the roll for this endless spell. Right. Squigmar's gnashing jaws. Yeah, that's true, right? Uh, best looking spell. Now, I now importantly, Ravenex gnashing jaws has had the biggest glow up in Age of Sigmar. It used to be hot trash, hot trash, hot trash, hot trash for so long. So the glow up is really good, right? Um, now, I personally uh, four mortal wounds against movement six. I agree. Now it's one unit, so this is important. It's one unit, okay? That you on average do four more wounds against the unit that's movement six. However, an important point to note is that normally the better units in Age of Sigma are almost always the faster units. 
the faster units are always good because they're able to pick their engagements. They're able to like be like, I'm going to get the charge off because I'm faster than you and I can charge and activate first, which means you don't get to do it to me first. So normally, faster units are very good. Monsters are traditionally very fast where you'd like to do quite a lot of mortal wounds. Cavalry is pretty good in Age of Sigmar, even better in this version of Age of Sigmar, and they're all generally faster. Slower units generally tend to be infantry, generally, or characters on foot. Um, there are some notable examples, obviously. Uh, Great and Clean One, uh, he's a character on foot, right? Um, uh, <laughs> this is S plus tier because my son finds this and then chases me around the house with it. Okay, all right, okay, for that alone. Uh, best way to play it is actually unbinding it and casting it again, so average is way higher. Black Toby, I agree with that, and that's a really interesting take, um, especially as a bit of a missile uh, to potentially hit opposing units. But... Your threat range is let's let's pick your threat range as being eleven on the reroll. Um, so eleven plus setup eight, nineteen inches, and you can so twenty inches. A lot of the battle plans are obviously eighteen inches. So maybe you can hit a bunch of uh, units like twenty inches away. It's a pretty good magic missile um, for what it is. Uh, I I need real convincing that this is worth it though. Um, like for me personally, because it is. Uh, how much is it? 60 points. So, if for me, because of the points value, it, it flips between B and C. It flips between B and C. Right? You, yeah, sure, you could add shards for half movement. Yeah? Uh, and then you could have a great day. 12 mortal wounds. Right? Um, but uh, between B and C for me personally... Uh, uh, and it says it runs up and eats most support heroes and then it stays it's A tier um, I'm not sure it's an A tier at all uh, but we'll see Like that's the best bit uh, so uh, Ark Nomad uh, says that he thinks it's very good um, It's so it's a damage lotto ticket for another chaff unit oh no you could kill a character like you'd kill a support character right because normally they're on foot Okay, so a law seeker, good example. Yeah, he'll be pretty close to your army on the first turn. Throw Ravenax at him. 60 points, though, right? Um, uh, there's a lot of abilities that reduce movement characteristics, but it's a lot to invest. I think being aware it exists in the right army, very much like Lacquan. If you're playing Legion of the First Prince, or as Cabbage is saying in the chat, if you run... Uh, Beast of Chaos and you use Hailstorm as an example uh, to reduce the movement... Um, and reduce it down, Shards of Alagar, and now we're really dropping the movement down. Oh boy, he's in, okay? Uh, uh, <laughs> let me help you convince you of value. Step one, uh, nom nom nom, step two, repeat. But the real question is, is does it compete with the other units that are out there, uh, the other spells? So like 60 points is quite a bit as well to invest. Um uh, we shouldn't think about synergies, though. Spell is written and point it seems hard to justify. A three grots in a trench coat. Thanks for subscribing. A big love to you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in and subscribes. Um, uh, like, it's not that much of a lotto, though. I don't think it's a lotto. I think there's definitely an average amount of mortal wounds, as is being discussed. It's easy to cast. It's easy to unbind, uh, which is good. Um, a lot of people thinking it's A in the chat. We'll be proven to see if that works out. Okay, you could, I'm going to die on this hill. I respect that, right? 
Uh, Rat Navigators are really interesting in Carriage and Overlord's ability to reduce movement plus Ravenax. Um, overall, I think maybe it sits there, but maybe it's A tier. Maybe. Um, you've definitely convinced me it's not in C. How's that sound? So it puts you it puts you into B for flat damage. Okay? Puts you into B for flat damage. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, hey, Nogal Matthew, I hope you're well. So that's it. That's the tier. Okay? So way too good. Uh, and I will put a link in this in the chat if you want to make your own versions of this. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, so in the top tier, auto takes, in my opinion, is Cogs and Spell Portal. Uh, not Spell Portal. Cogs and Purple Sun. In, um, yeah, so just, just, to, just to be quick, uh, the, the auto-include is Cogs, Purple Sun. Uh, a great take, I think, is Horrorgast and the Spell Portal. Uh, be aware it exists. We've got Laquan, Soul Screen Bridge, uh, Life Swarm, uh, Flame, um, Burning Head, and Ravenax Gnashing Jaws. Can't justify it. Geminids, um, the Racer Swords, Quicksilver Swords, the uh, Soul Snare Shackles, and Shards of Alagar. And don't take it. Palisade, Grave Tide, Maelstrom should be in a different category, and also the Pendulum. Now, the best bit is, no one's going to agree, which is great. And for some armies, these really move around a little bit. These really move around a little bit. The best thing you can do is tell me what you think, if you're watching this back as a video, live in the comments below. And the chat have already had their opinion as well. If you're listening to it as a podcast, um, I think maybe just go outside and scream it what you think, who you think, and what you think is best. Um, but big glow-ups for Endless Spells this edition, I think. And uh, and I'm really enjoying it. So uh, look forward to this in the future. Thanks to the chat for helping me uh, with all of this. And I'll see you guys soon. Goodbye.